Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. So if you have no idea what's going on, don't worry. That's par for the course. And most of the time, neither do we. Although I have a bit better of an idea what's going on than I did uh, last week, Kay. Oh, do tell. You'll notice that I'm no longer cornered into a tiny little octagon. By no, the, I noticed. By the, by the bully bookshelves. Well, I, 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 and I noticed there was also some damage to the book return sh- uh, cards, but... I apologize for that, but you know how when you're being chased by bullies, eventually you have to turn around and yeah. just stand your ground and boop them on the nose. And I do appreciate that you encouraged me to stand up for myself last yes. time. It doesn't really work when the bullies that you're being chased with are like eight gigantic bookshelves. No, I can see that would be a problem. A I, mean, bit you of have a, to, I guess you have to threaten them. So but I reached for, for whatever I had on hand. The book return trolley. Yeah, I mean, it started out with a stapler. Oh, yeah. Impressed by that? No, I can't see. I mean, like yeah, stapling books together, it doesn't really work. You have to like hit right. it really hard, and yeah. it doesn't really. Yeah, it probably only makes them a little bit more angry than like actually drive them away. So I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. When I was being chased by the bully bookshelves, was I chased by the shelves or by the books on them? Like were the books animating the shelves as I, they were coming towards me? I would think me? that. Yes, that's probably most likely. Oh, okay. I mean, bookshelves well, by themselves, empty bookshelves never do that kind of thing. So never. Not that I've ever seen. You know that's going in the wiki now that well, you've said it. Yes. <laughs> that's definite lore that we're always uh, going to have to remember. We have inanimate bookshelves and animate books. Well, I mean, I've never seen an ambulatory bookshelf with no books on it. It's kind, oh, of, like a, it's kind okay. of like an airplane. Yeah, you know an airplane. You know, make... It can fly, but you've never seen it fly without a pilot. Well, unless it's radio-controlled well, aircraft. weather balloons. Then again, not aircraft. Well, mm-hmm. air- well, yes, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been released and they're just drifting on the wind. During pollination season, we get that here in the library. But Okay, so what you're saying is I should put I should put like tracking rings on the empty bookshelves and just see where they... You could. I yeah, mean, I don't like think for so. the scientific process. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do Maybe so you that. can mark them individually. They already have their bookmarking. Yeah, the, the index rooms. A, a, through, a through Z, yes. It's, what is it? It's Thorn and, and Futhark. Mm. And, because we're in the... <laughs> In the elder Dewey Imperial system, right? Well, probably the, no, no. It's the Eldritch Dewey Imperial <laughs> system. Uh, so after after I like briefly distracted them with my uh, ineffectual staples, like I hid behind one of the uh, one of the information desks yeah. for a while, thinking that they wouldn't be able to see me through mm-hmm. the various index cards. But they managed to flush me out. Eventually. I guess they can smell fear. And I did one of those power slide maneuvers over uh-huh. to the book trolley, which I then sort of used as my escape vehicle, crouching behind it and running while you're deflecting the. Uh, Post-it notes. Uh, yes, the, the Death Star post-it notes. <laughs> Death Star. <laughs> yes, you are. You are excellently uh, referencing one of my favourite announcements that I ever heard in airport. This was in Edinburgh Airport, where they're talking about. And please be aware that knives of any kind are not allowed. And talked about this whole list: no, no swords, yeah. no belt knives, no pocket knives, no Death Stars. <laughs> I don't know who came up with calling Shuriken Death Stars, but But especially with the beautiful Scottish accent. (laughs) I made a decent escape, but it took a couple of dings, that Uh, that trolley. uh, It's all right. They get banged around a little bit in the elevators and stuff like that. It's not a big deal. Yeah, so my plan to make this floor my dominion as a librarian is not quite coming together yet. Do you have any other advice how to deal with these unruly books? Well, I would say no racetrack for the book trolleys, but that's... Uh... Oh, okay. I'll just erase all these chalk markings that I made on the floor then. <laughs> I was then. wondering about those. They look like outlines for bodies or bookshelves, so I was wondering that's if you That's a weird-ass been... body. Like, that's, well, that's what I'm saying, bookshelves, fucking... but okay. It might work, actually. They might be entertained, and they might like to post themselves around the uh, track and then either provide... <sighs> 
spectators or obstacles, depending on what their mood is like. Whoa. It's a bit like an audience participation race. Yeah, and if that works, I want these shelves organized in a certain yes. fashion, right? So if I can get them interested in Formula K, no, that's confusing because for, your for, name is K. Formula, Formula Kaki. Kaki, that's the yeah. one. And there's probably going to be a gag in there somewhere where who, the... Who are you going to race, though? The, the, the Jeu Monikaki. Ah, is anyone going to get sounds that? Sounds like maybe. Now, the, <laughs> the Grand Prix of Monaco yeah. is like things from Monaco yeah. are Monegasque. Yeah. So it's the Jeu game Monegasque. Ah, right. And I thought, nah, that's Monikaki. probably not. We'll, no, we'll figure something a little out. Bit, uh... But if I can get them super interested on that, then as I alter the floor plan, mm-hmm. I can eventually create a racetrack on the floor that they right. will then. Yeah, yeah. first oh, you, first you get them playing along, and then yes. you slightly start modifying the track until you have them where you want them. Now, you do bring up an interesting point that I am going to have to have a race with something. And since after we finish this recording, you and the podcasting equipment are going to ascend to the heavens once more. And Mm -hmm. and I'll be alone here for the next week. So I'm going to have to figure out maybe we're onto something, maybe some kind of autonomous drone that I can chase or, let's be fair, can chase me around the racetrack. That's probably Autonomous drone racing. All right. Yeah. Well, let's see what what you come up with. I mean, like motorized book return cards. That sounds like a very... Interesting concept. There you go. See, I knew you'd be 100% on board and, and behind me. Thank you. Right. You're so, welcome. So, returning to books, a eh? book return. Ah, yes. Yeah, what do we have in store for our readers this uh, week? This book's book is by Richard Wilson, and then the town took off. Earth, yes, can and the you book spare is called, a city, and yes. then the town took off. A complete novel. A complete novel. It's like actually half of a double novel, which we uh, did in episode... Uh, the late 70s, was it early 80s? It 83, 83. 83, yes. Stay so, Out of Space. That's one, yes. So it's one of those books which has a, has a reverse book on the other side. And, uh, that's such a cool idea. You can idea. just flip them off. And we, uh, sorry, flip them over. <laughs> <laughs> they will be flipping off later, but that's, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, the, yes, yeah, so there's a double H novel books. You get two for 35 cents. And uh, yeah, when you're, du- when you're done reading it, you flip it over and then you have another book to read on the other side. And we thought, let's do this one. Like we, we, we still have that one laying around, Stay Out of Space. And now this is actually more about going into space, this book. Yes, yes. Because on the cover, we do see a star field in, in the background. And we do see like a, a rocky heavenly body, just as mm. we did with Stay Out of Space. But that's where the similarities end. Because yes. uh, we have a pilot uh, and, with goggles and, and helmet. not just any pilot. Pilot. Yes, yes, our beloved hero of, of many uh, young adult books, Blake Whitecock. Who the, is in his spaceship flying from, like, space town to space town on the cover. Square-jawed, behelmeted, uh, uh, cockpit jockey, uh, Blake quite, Whitecock. Although I'm just realizing, like, he's yeah. wearing flying goggles. Yeah. Why is he wearing those when he's in a cockpit? Maybe they have some kind of HUD oh, over yes. them, you that know, a heads-up display. He's flying over a, a pastoral landscape, flying above the clouds, looking up at a huge sort of... Flying town, yes. Yeah, with a hemisphere of Earth sticking out of it. Which has been lifted out of the ground and is now flying off into space. And for the readers at home, if you look down at your podcasting device, you should be seeing the cover of today's book. Otherwise, you can check the show notes for an image in the link, and you can check CoverMyAssCast.com or at CoverMyAssCast on Twitter and find episode 91 and... And then the town took off by uh, by Richard Wilson because what we see here is the like I thought it was such a cool concept mm-hmm. that this uh, that this book explored, where uh, 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 certain towns have elected to remove themselves from the right. Rest of the world. Rocket technology has come a long way, and at certain point, a certain town decides, screw it all, we are going home. Or actually, we're not going home; we are <laughs> taking home, and they are <laughs> yes. like. Strap some booster rockets to the town and just blast it right out of the earth into space and screw you all down there. We're leaving. 
and it's motivated a lot by mm, let's call a spade a spade a bit of xenophobia you know well, out of towners we don't want them coming in and, and spoiling our right. town we want local to preserve town, lo- local town local yeah. people that kind of stuff are you local there's a lot of that going on it's something that started with the with the British town of Suffolk yeah. uh, uh, which was the first one to strap rocket boosters underneath itself and dig a giant trench until eventually they could launch themselves into space which is why this process of launching your town into space is known as suffocation yeah <laughs> Yes. <laughs> some some people complain that small town life is just stifling and suffocating, but they haven't really encountered suffocation. No, and the original with Suffolk it did go wrong because they forgot to account for the lack of atmosphere outside. Yes, yes. Uh, and so did. there's later enterprises like took this into account, and <laughs> yes. I guess you can't see the dome which is supposed to be built over the town here in this. God, everybody's particular- so horny for domes in the eras these books were written. Space domes were cool. Do you remember we did a book where you had a space dome on the moon over a factory that had chimney and was sticking and was- outside, sticking out. Out of the dome, yeah, that was brilliant. Yes. Now, ooh, that's an old one. Uh, Deep Cut, that was City on the Moon by Murray oh, Leinster. Right, yes, that's one. I noticed that some of them on City on the Moon have their chimneys sticking out, and some of them are still the chimneys under the dome. Which is both it's equally stupid. Both are s- incredibly <laughs> stupid. But yeah, they appear to have invisible shields in the era to, to avoid uh, suffocation. Yeah, I guess that's what a church tower is good for. You can always mount the, the shield generator in the spire and protect yes, your town like that. there you go. See, this is part of a, a, a bit of a trend that this world finds itself in. Like, the current state of technology is in this world far more advanced than uh, uh, than that of ours but at the same time the appearance of this world is retrograde there's a there's a back to the land movement uh, Very pastoral uh, yeah their far more advanced technology is all disguised as they, they have tractors and they have cars all of which have fusion engines and anti-grav plating and and but it's it's all sort of presented as as something old-fashioned a style of technology known as chromesteading Yes. Yeah, because you, you can- all the cars have huge fins and uh, yes. tail lights and all, yes. all kind of stuff like that. Uh, I think it's a very nice look. It's it's back basically going back to that era that everybody always wants to go back to. It's the fictional past where everything was better and things were good. Never existed. No, it never. But it, you can make it now with all- modern technology. Yes, there we go. I guess Blake Whitecock is yearning for that. And so we start off with our our hero the hero of many boys' adventures books, Blake Whitecock. Now, you've got me saying it now. It's Whitecock. We find him over the peak of his career, which is a bit of a shame because he worked for whatever the organization was called. I don't think we... Wasp? Yeah, no, Wasp was a thing that he flew. Oh, it was also the, uh, uh, the book didn't specify. I think it was a rather poor, one of those poor uh, uh, sequels. But, like, the technology that he was flying for this secret organization was the insectnology yes. uh, developed by their quartermaster, Leslie. And, yeah, like, various sized insects and, like, he had, a, he had an ice ray. But all of that has been overtaken by the far more modern chromesteading technology. Like, nobody's interested in... In uh, weird insect technology, because they're kind of messy and smelly, and yeah. you have to, like, deal with that. And the Mr. Fusion... Oh, no, wait, that's... No, but the, you're... The, the, the little fusion... Portable fusion generators... <laughs> Senor which Fusion. Senor Fusion. <laughs> yeah. Now, basically cheaply made Chinese fusion generators, which have been flooding the place, and everything's been retrofitted to uh, handle them. All of this secret technology they were working on for the uh, for the Argentinian Wales War, yes. Cold War. Like all Cold Wars, they come to an end eventually. They heat up or they completely yes. disappear. Well, in this case, they certainly heated up when the leaders of, of both sides, the Welsh, Argentinian special forces, Louise, Helen and Monique, mm. whom we saw last in a previous yes. adventure, 
Nature, like, found some common ground. They they put all the insect knowledge on mothballs. Didn't quite, quite work out the way they thought it would. It turns out mothballing insect things is more like eliminating them rather than just, like, preserving them. Like when they put those airplanes in those airplane graveyards where they completely oh. wrap them up and then they just put them out in the desert where it's dry and they're not going to get... Uh, I didn't know they do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess dry storage? There's, like, whole swathes of uh, a desert which uh, with aircraft parked in them in the U.S. Wow. Where uh, they just mothball them, really. But, yeah, if you do that with an insect, and especially if you add the mothballs, not very good for the insect, so... To the great disappointment of Quartermaster Leslie, who resigned in a huff during the formation of the Atlantic Alliance, which mm. saw the flourishing of peace between the nations. Between and Wales and Argentina. The great superpowers of our age. And aside from the monuments built to the uh, the Falklands wasteland. Yes, it's become a bit of a rocky uh, thing. Yeah. Which is actually a very interesting thing about the Falklands. There were hill areas which were mined. and they were What just... were they digging for? No, no, they put in mines there. Uh, uh, yeah. This has turned out to be a fantastic nature reserve because it's completely oh. sealed off for people and penguins don't set off the mines because yes. they're too light. So they're basically... They, the they birds can't trick them. No, exactly. Occasionally one of the mines goes off spontaneously and there might be some scrambled penguin eggs. But most of the <laughs> oh, times it's fine. Uh, yeah, so... Blake, uh, yes, yes. He Blake uh, lands his plane for the last time, uh, gets his like gold watch in a little goodbye ceremony with Louise, Helen and Monique are uh, all present in the... Goodbye, farewell ceremony. Yep, yep. Leslie, unfortunately, is uh, is absent. It's kind of a low-key affair. Well, uh, Leslie's gone uh, with the, is retired in disgust as well. Exactly. Well, yes. He gets to keep his best buddy, a sort of dog-sized wasp named Buzz. Mm. And off he goes into his Volkswagen Beetle, sticking with the insect theme. I thought that yeah, was... Yeah, I guess that was kind of cool. He's also, really committed to it. Right, which is weird. Like in a German car and such an archetypical British hero, you'd think he'd be driving a, a Jaguar or a... Yeah. Do well, I know any other British car brands? No, oh, I bet you Vauxhall, do. But, Aston. And uh, he goes driving through the British countryside, heading back to his good old hometown of... Throbshire. Throbshire, <laughs> yes. Which is a bit weird. It's a bit weird, but it's also completely plausible. No, no, totally. And uh, when he gets there, he almost gets a, a moment where he goes, oh, no, he gets a bit of a flashback. Because like, he thinks he's in a volcanic lair, but no, it's not. It's just a big hole in the ground where Thropshire used to be. Yep. And the town's gone. It's been uh, suffocated. <laughs> yep, off into, off into space. Off into space. Nobody uh, knows where it went, because that's the whole point. When you leave Earth behind, you don't leave a forwarding address. No, you, you just go there, and he goes, okay, that's weird. And he drives up to the uh, nearest neighbouring town, uh, the town of Upton Snodsbury, <laughs> where uh, he asks what happened. He's not entirely f- uh, familiar with the concept of suffocation, so he just basically wanders over to, to Upton Snodsbury, where yes. he has a little ch- a chat with uh, Mayor Eunice Honeybun. And ask him what happened. And she she gets a very cold reception at first. He's going, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And uh, Yes, because they were in a rivalry with with Robshire and they just suffocated first and they're envious that they didn't. Oh, at least we didn't leave because apparently there was a problem where Robshire had a lot of -of out-of-spec telephone poles, which uh, Upton Snodsbury completely uh, abhorred. So they took it up with the uh, County Puckles Church Homeowners Association (laughs) and started pestering uh, Robshire to have this 
was corrected, and then Shropshire had to go through great expenses to uh, get the, uh, the telephone, telephone poles. poles made up to spec, right kind of wood, right kind of number of sidearms, correct number of wires on each pole. Oh it's like an incredible expense. But yeah, uh, Upton Snodsbury had the uh, Homeowners Association's um, the statutes yeah. on their side. It's weird how Homeowners Association can, can override, like, council parishes That's, and... In County Bucklechurch, they're very big about this sort of thing to make yeah, sure that I everybody so. is... Uh, everybody follows the right subdivision of the chromesteading and you can't have like you, no, you, you can't no it all has to be uniform and it all has to get the good look after a little chatting with uh, mayor eunice with yes your honorable honey buns Ooh, is that the right term for to address a mayor no honorable, that sounds like a her magistrate or something <laughs> like her magistrate her magistrate <laughs> your honorable her magistrate <laughs> but yeah after throbs uh, throbshire uh, finally got the telephone poles into spec they uh, painted the town red to celebrate which oh, also yes. was like no, uh, total violation which also was like a protest again by snodsbury ordinances. Yeah. Uh, upton snodsbury like lower snodsbury is not a problem but upton snodsbury <laughs> is the one where they have the problem yes. with after this they uh, throbshire decided like Screw you, we're leaving. So they yeah, basically got their boosters right and they suffocated the entire town, leaving a gigantic middle finger-shaped hole in the countryside. I did appreciate the irony there. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of Throbshire in, in, in this story. I mean, not that, not that absent Snodsbury is, is any better. I'd probably be more at home in, like, lower Snodsbury upon Tweed, yes. which, which seems sort of my, uh, my, my speed. They must have a light, nice library and maybe, yes. I mean, maybe a good I mean, every, every little town like that has a little county library. If it's only if it's an old disused phone booth filled with books i encountered one in the wild ah. once I, I was so delighted so yes he finds that his hometown is gone he was planning to go home uh, do a little bit of um, chromesteading himself yeah get into the whole sort of uh, uh, cottage punk lifestyle oh i mean i'm sure he is into cottaging i mean this is this is blake whitecock <laughs> yeah. we are talking about after all yeah although i imagine he's he's not as into cottaging as as louise and helen and and, and monique like that's well, just a, that's i mean just they're a, on an entirely different level that's a that's a that's a cot fest day in and day out. So yes, he finds himself homeless, as in uh, no home to return to. Yeah, and it follows a sort of, of pattern of, of, I guess, tragedy in his life. Like, we've always known him as, a, as, a, as an overconfident oaf, uh, and, and we're bewildered how, how successful uh, he was made through circumstances often beyond his control. But now that he realizes that his best years are behind him and he's, and he's uh, put his, his moribund career away and, he, and was looking to, to come home and his home is no longer there, like, I actually kind of felt bad for old Blake. Yes. I mean, like, it's, it's always been the kind of thing that he's been nostalgic about. It's the, it's the hometown where he had his youthful adventures. Yeah. Which pr- primed him for his life of... Running about excellent. with dogs and sticks. Yes. It's gone. And he's kind of like, oh. And uh, he decides, like, he wants to go and find his home. So he pulls in a few more, a few last favours with members of the Atlantic Alliance who right. still know him from the well, from back he, in the he day. Basically, he goes back to his headquarters. They they still know him. So, like, he, I mean, I guess they know he's retired, but they're like, oh, it's just all, it's good old Blake. Yeah. And, uh... He goes to find the new quartermaster, a man by the name of Pickle Scott, and uh, <laughs> yes. ask him, like, okay, I, like, I, I need a plane. And he goes, like, no, I can't do that. And it's like, oh, sorry, sir, you're not on the roster anymore. I can't can I give you any planes. <laughs> you're Scott, you're yes. not signed out for that. I can't sign out a plane for you. Uh, yeah, I love how he was written out phonetically, but it's just some bullshit. Uh, it's just someone some, making some bullshit American imitation teenager of making, a... making up Scottish accents. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. 
So I mean, well, I mean, it never used to be. Like, ah, it may, might not be a problem with Quartermaster Leslie, but I, I, I kind of day there for you, pal. He was, he did a very good Scottish accent. I thought, yeah. good job, Richard Wilson. Especially in writing. Yeah, uh, Blake has to unfortunately slink out again with the tail be, uh, between his legs and. Uh, and maybe even with Buzz's tail between his legs, although I'm not quite sure. That's the wrong end of a wasp to have yes, between your legs. I know, that's why. No, that definitely, I, I think he probably <laughs> knows that well enough. But Buzz yeah. does provide him with the necessary clues. Uh, uh, being a little wasp himself, he, he detects the scent of um, one of the one of the last remaining insect craft that has survived the moth. Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and following Buzz's uh, uh, glowing behind, there's a bit of genetic engineering there. You always want to pop, just, pop in just a little bit of bio luminescence when well, genetic I mean, yeah, engineering glow flies yeah. I mean, it's always a good marker that's the thing yeah uh, uh, and he finds a, a dusty old fighter craft half insect but uh, uh, but the advantage of that is that it doesn't need a lot of fuel I do recall that them having the problem of once you activate them, they kind of have to like keep going. Yeah. But that must have been fixed because they're using they're using the spacecraft now. So probably like just a tank of liquid oxygen is all it takes. Now well, you can get that from any enough, yeah. any scuba shop. So yeah. he takes this uh, this mothballed craft, and it's not exactly space worthy. He's got to he's got to train it a little bit. Yeah, get a little bit. Been boost, hibernating for a while. Get a few booster rockets on it to get um, get them up to orbital speeds. But fortunately, like since suffocation is kind of popular, it's like it's not very hard to get a big. Boost to get your insect back up into space so it's like uh, oh yeah there's a there's a there's a lot of cheap knockoffs on alibaba there is the montage of course which is like oh the mandatory montage yes which has blake uh, widecock uh, prepping his craft and uh, (laughs) getting it ready to blast off into into, to find the uh, town of Shropshire. inexplicably also like doing a lot of like shadow boxing and and jogging none Uh, of which is necessary for getting out he has to stay in shape takes a couple of laps around the around the solar system and then it's uh, and then it's off to find uh, uh, Throbshire. Yeah. Um, following the trail of some of the some of the more recent launches, like he has to he has to f- sort of triangulate where they've wound up through the gravitational eddies and wormholes that surround this region yeah. of space. His hopes get high when he spots a floating town. Oh, and uh, yes. he basically he zooms on in. He uh, lands his craft down on uh, Cockbrush Avenue. <laughs> Uh, and yes. uh, as soon as he steps Co- out of the... Cobrush? Cobrush. Isn't that how you pronounce uh, I mean, there's you know, like an artist known by the name of Bruce Coburn, so I guess it's Cobrush <laughs> Avenue. Yeah. Turns out that he's not in uh, a Thropshire, but he's in uh, Bishop's Itchington. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, also, also, like, overrun with insects. It is. So, uh, so his, his craft doesn't look at all, all out of place there. <laughs> no. Uh, and, uh, but yes, that's where he... Uh, Positively lousy with them. Ooh, good one. Uh, but yes, he ends up in the town of Bishop's Itchington, has a little wander around and uh, asks, where do you uh, suffocate from? And uh, Obviously, he gets a bit of a cold shoulder, like the whole reason they launched themselves up into space was to get away from, from people exploring their quaint little corner of, of Britain. Right. I mean, he arrived on an insect ship, so they kind of assume he's a, he's a local. But uh, I guess that's the only reason yeah, he gets away right. with it. He's like, that's right. They're all nostalgic for the sort of pre-chrome staring era yes. of, of, of British air supremacy. Blitz mentality and uh, yeah. stiff upper lip and all that. Uh, and he basically tries to find, like, have you seen any other floating towns around? And like, well, yes, occasionally we do float around. And uh, But they tend to uh, fire their uh, uh, booster rockets and, like, yeah, get they, away from they, that. They yeah. tend not even to wave at each other when no, they pass. It's, it's like, like the opposite of bus drivers. They kind of know they left for 
petty, small, angry at other towns' reasons, and the fact that another town is also... Yeah. It's not like our totally righteous reasons for leaving. Yeah. It's, uh, they were incredibly reasonable and well thought out and not at all petty. And all those other people are just, oh, it's just one of those towns again. It's like, they're, they're probably going to be unreasonable anyway, so we're not going to even bother trying to... Uh, Get in touch with them. and They haven't even hailed us. They're barely even waving. Fire some salute shots, but that could be misinterpreted <laughs> yes. as... Um, Raising the flag slightly higher than the others to embarrass them. Oh. It's super passive-aggressive. Depends on how big your pole is, I suppose, but... <laughs> <laughs> if I had a penny. Um, I'd have four tolls, 95. Um, Jesus! Just doing the math on that... <laughs> So after moving around to Bishop's Itchington for a little bit, yeah. and uh, he, he basically launches his craft back up from Cock- Cobrush Avenue Co- <laughs> and <laughs> um, flies himself back into space looking for the next suffocated town. And as he as he hops from town to town, we cut meanwhile to uh, uh, his target, Throbshire, uh, uh, which after a, after a brief uh, brush, a brief co-brush with uh, with Bishop Ishington, mm. uh, uh, d- during which, unfortunately, probably some of the giant insects made it over just a just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but, uh, an infestation that they soon uh, they soon got rid of with some help from a traveling seller of remedies, uh, someone we recognize as uh, Quartermaster Leslie oh. took their retirement out in the uh, out in the depths of space and. Well, they've become rather sinister because as Quartermaster Leslie sets up and dispenses not just some extermination uh, technologies necessary to to get rid of this this infestation, but also some other like various salves and and ailments and uh, people are used to chromesteading and uh, the discretion of technology. They're kind of they're kind of marveling at this this old fashioned like really futuristic organic technology that they uh, which they kind of like a- yeah uh, uh, involving like the 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 very popular brain beetle oh. Yeah, that kind which of freaked me out. More and more people are seen are seen wearing, especially some people on the uh, on the on the on the parish council. Uh, um, and no, there's no law against it. We can all wear our brain beetles. And in the meantime, the people who are wearing these brain beetles start start voting in, in the in the elections in um, in rather an unsavory fashion that seems to elevate quartermaster Leslie until they are mayor uh, and can rename the town of Throbshire to Malos Aires. <laughs> Bad air, yes. Yeah. Like there's, there's still a lot of like uh, Leslie is still stuck in the in the in the Welsh Argentinian Cold War. Ah, uh, yes. And good. if they make peace on Earth, then I will make war out here in space, even if I have to get Malos Aires myself. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it turns out that like a lot of the the brain beetle seems to convey a lot of that homeowner uh, association mentality on people <laughs> yes. that uh, they actually try and try to escape uh, County Puckle Church from. Uh, yeah. No, I noticed but that. But now that's, that's how like what Thropshire are and now. Was been, and now known as Malos Aires, yeah. is uh, starting to get known for. There's a lot of pettiness going on. Uh, yeah, it's the it's the it's the hormones. No, that's not that's, hormones. It's like, how do you make a hormone? It's like you wipe your dick on our curtains. Oh, ooh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Mayor Leslie of, of Malos Aires now has most of the town in their thrall, uh, instructing them to start digging out a volcanic lair on the underside. I mean, it's already got, like, the, the mountain it's a shape. Sort of, yes, exactly. All you need is, like, spewing and, 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 and tunneling out, and it, 
you know, artificial gravity anyway. That's always interesting how that works. Like, does it work towards the center or does it work like all the way down? It's like, it's kind of weird how that artificial gravity is. It seems to work fine. It's always the last system to go down on any uh, oh. science fiction spacecraft. Yeah, just a little bit more uh, suffocation town hopping. He, he passes by Six Mile Bottom and uh, <laughs> Beggar's Bush yes. until he actually a finds... charming little towns. It takes him a while because he doesn't realize that uh, 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 Thropshire is now renamed as Malos Aires. Yeah. So landing in his new town, he is immediately greeted by uh, Constable Grumbletash. <laughs> Who is uh, by whom is he informed that he is not allowed to uh, park his uh, wasp craft there? <laughs> no parking in village. You know, can you read? It said no parking. Like go go to the parking lot outside. Outside the village. Yes. Uh, okay, so he moves the ship because he's now fighting it. And also, he's kind of missed it. He's kind of missed being chewed out by the local constable. Right. And he finds out that Quartermaster Leslie is uh, uh, firmly in control of the town. And yeah. uh, he realizes that like, okay, I might have to do something about this. So he seeks out the uh, the, the former mayor, uh, St. John Quetchworth, uh, who was uh, <laughs> known for having. So good. Who was known for having very long. Uh, talks during the uh, city council meetings. Yes, with Father Vicar Pastor. Ah, yes. His uh, uh, favourite man to hate. They had endless debates. One of those love-hate relationships, you know, they're always like ragging on each other. But it's, they did buy adjoining cottages. And it's a ritual dance and I was in the pub at the same time and it's like... They're on the shove apony team. I heard about that game. It's like when you can kind of like tap coins over a wooden board, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 2D tiddlywinks. Oh, Yes. Just to use sense. another metaphor that is no, also I, slightly inaccessible. I'm aware of tiddlywinks. <laughs> yeah, yes. okay. It's like... Uh, you kind of have to like tap. You, you put a penny or a half a penny on the edge of the board and you kind of tap your hand against it and you have to shoot it. So it's kind of like shuffle, uh, like tabletop shuffleboard, shuffle I suppose. Shuffleboard, but then without the lanes. Right. It's sort of, I guess, more it's like tabletop curling. Oh, yes. A shooter. Yeah, no, okay, so now we've described like five or six <laughs> negligible sports in reference to each other, so I think we're sort of there. I, I think our readers at home will get the general gist of the kind of game we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's those pub games, you know, you've, I mean, you've got your classics like darts and, and, yeah. and, and billiards, which is not the same as pool. And like, and like, I'd love to try that one of those billiards game where you have the, the pockets actually in the middle of the table, where you have to pop the balls Oh, yeah, into I mean, it. that's what yeah. billiards is. It's still, I'd, love to, I'd love to try that sometime. You've got a bunch of other, other games like Connect Four and Connect 5, although I imagine that uh, uh, St. John Kvetchworth and Father Vicar Pastor are playing more like Connect 69, because they're, Ooh, you know, they're pretty advanced. They're that kind of people, yes. But, um, yeah, he comes back to his little old town of now called uh, Malos Aires, and he discovers that it's a bit of a, like, kind of They're all a bit shit, other. aren't they? All, they all are. Like, nobody likes each other anymore. They found that when they had the rivalry against Upton Snodsbury, they could uh, basically unite against them. Yes, it was a uniting fact- yeah, factor and- that They've, and since then, they've turned on each other. Like, the only ones who seem to be getting on with each other are the ones with the brain beetles on their heads, and everybody knows they're fucking zombies. Yes, and they've, I mean, the whole suffocation doesn't seem to have brought the freedom that they want because all their, like, little petty hate basically turned inwards and against each other. Yes, turns out that you can't be... Your pettiness is never caused by other people. It's just in you, yeah. and you need the other people to be who petty, you yes, want to be. Yes. yes. <laughs> so I guess that's a bit of a... Uh, yeah, a bit of an eye-opener for Mr. White. It's a bit of a lesson, yeah, yeah. because he, he does see that this town, like, it needs his help because uh, his once ally, quartermaster, now Mayor Leslie, is in the process of taking over this town and trying to weaponize it 
to rekindle the Welsh-Argentinian war, mm. uh, which he needs to put a stop to. So Buzz fetches for him his trusty remote control wand, yeah. which is the the technology that allows him to, uh, to to interface with the various insects, including the brain beetles. Of course, because Leslie has been building this on the existing technology, and he never expected Blake to show exactly. up here, and especially not with a bug control device like that, yeah. that he still had lying around in his suitcase. Detonating the uh, uh, the underside of the volcanic lair in order to flush out any oh. any remaining weapons. Uh, the town is inspected by a ship from the Atlantic. Yes, Atlantic Alliance. Wow, this is a very consistent book. Yeah, uh, uh, under the command of uh, Generalissimo Jones, once oh. Teniente Colonel, now promoted, who shows back up as uh, yes, yeah. He realizes that home is not home anymore, and perhaps it never was. That no. he has changed, and they haven't. And that's just never a good fit. No, I mean, Generalissimo Jones has been cleared of all the war crimes that he'd been accused of. Uh, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> that all sort of got taken care of. And uh, yeah, basically now patrolling the space and trying to like make sure that all the suffocated towns are generally behaving themselves. And, and he's uh, in the market for a first mate. Ah, yes, I mean, they've always... Spare room in his bunk. They have always had a, a bit of a relationship, <laughs> yeah. him and uh, Mr. Whitecock with his, like, I mean, back in his youthful days. I believe he was the au pair for a well, what, what are we oh, saying? I don't uh, remember. Well, is that a new word for catamites? Is- <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know that it isn't, but yeah. So, so he, uh, yeah, he goes back into the service, basically, now serving under uh, Generalissimo Jones's XO. Yeah, he finds uh, that the, the uniforms, I mean, the crop tops are even shorter and show even more midriff, which he's quite pleased with that he did all those crunches yes. before going on board. And, uh, yeah, basically... Home is not always you. Can, you can't back. You can't go back home again. Is I guess the story of the book. Home is where because, the heart is because yeah. home is not anymore what it was. And it's like it's it's the whole idealized thing with the chrome steading, which is like you're always longing back for something that never really existed, only in your no. mind. And exactly. It's like trying to go back there that that can't ever work. And he learns to move forward, which I I really appreciated. And off he goes into the the thousand sunsets of the of the, of the galaxy to police the space lanes. And yeah, if there are people out there who want to retreat the way that the suffocated towns do, he's going to make sure that they're safe. Yeah, basically Finn, I suppose. Yeah, I think this this, this brought our trilogy of, of Blake Whitecock novels to a close. But then there's always the question mark, is there going to be another? Because right, and there's always, there there's always all the young fact fiction books of Blake Whitecock doing whatever he wants to do in the countryside. That's right. So and it's I think all there's a downhill few ones from about here. M- more cottaging going on in several of them. <laughs> okay. Okay, <laughs> so we'll just call this the, the main arc, but we'll keep keep the door open to more Blake Whitecock. In the meantime, like, this was a pretty good book. I liked it. Even for, a, like, a, a, the Blake Whitecock novels are obviously some of my favorites, but I, I was really touched by how, like, how human and down-to-earth it was. I loved the wonderful description of, like, the, the little petty little rivalries, the complaining about leaving the trash yes. out on, on Tuesday, uh, and, like, the trash collectors came back ten minutes ago, why are your bins still out on the roads? <gasps> because a- I work, Karen. It's like- <laughs> yes, and what a wonderful thing it, it it is to live in a world where that is your biggest problem. Like, that's certainly something worth oh, protecting. I guess so. I mean, like... I really liked the names. I thought the, oh. the, the Sinjin Kvetchworth and, and Constable... Where was the Constable? Constable Grumbletash. Constable Grumbletash, yeah. Constable Grumbletash. Yes. Six Mile Bottom. <laughs> These names were so good. They were, uh, yes. It's like, um, it, it was a great story. I, uh... I enjoyed the whole Leslie kind of routine, how he came back, and uh, especially yeah, his the dark horse. Yeah, especially how he like 
couldn't let go of the war and had to perpetuate it and uh, especially renaming the town into Malas Ares that had me like in stitches when I <laughs> when I saw that one. <laughs> yeah. So how are we going to rate this book? Ooh, uh, let's see. Um Hapney. Okay, shove Hapney. How many how many Hapneys do you do you play? There's 14 Hapneys in a 12's worth. Uh, okay, so that's seven pennies. Okay, yeah. we can do. Can we do it out of seven? Seven? Yeah, sure. I'll give it a five out of seven. I liked it. So that's ten out of fourteen halfpennies. Five out of seven. Yeah, yeah. sounds. And three out of eight quarters. <laughs> three out of eight quarters. In there. And speaking of speaking of reviews, uh, God. If you look down at your podcasting device, you should be able to fondle a little star on your screen. I should not have said it like that, but hey, mm. here we are. You can find us on on the interwebs. We're Cover My Arsecast on Twitter and uh, uh, Cover My Arsecast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have an idea for a book that you think we should review but not read based purely on the cover. But in the meantime, what do we have in store for our readers next week? Next week's book is by Roger Welsh. Golden Years, My Ass. Adventures in Geriatric Indignity. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay, and remember... We only judge, judge a book by its cover. cover. <laughs> I mean, that sort, of, that sort of sounds like Throbshire and, and, and Upton, Upton Snodsbury. Uh, I don't anyway, think Throbshire is really a problem for geriatric indignity. No, because it's like... No. Certainly, like, the- that, like that curse of lot in the care homes I hear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>